Hello and welcome to the episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on August the 17th, 2021. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, keeping a close eye on my back. And yeah, you got you got a pimple right here. You may need to get something to done about that. Caffeine rage. Send help. Send help. And some back hair. Um, on today's show. Don't worry, I'll just put a piece of duct tape over and rip it off. That uh, many have tried. We will, of course, be discussing the games that we have played. Uh, despite what Blizzard said, TCP IP functionality for Diablo 2 Resurrected has been removed. EA, evil, actually. Apex Legends Save Titanfall hack, allegedly part of elaborate scheme to revive canceled Titanfall Online. After more than a decade, development of Kerbal Space Program has come to an end. We will have some stuff in our community corner, which actually I think one or two of those news topics was community corner and I misplaced them, but that's fine. No one will notice. We'll fix it. No one will know. And if time allows, we'll have a Steam Discovery queue. Hi there, Rage. Hello. How are you today? Uh, Doing all right. Well, that is swell. Hey, we're back this week after a week off last week. Yeah, and I care to guess whose fault it was. My child's. I mean, anyone who follows on Twitter um, will know. But for the, I'm I'm sure most of you who don't, my kid jumped on my back, like the the lower part of my back. Um, what is that called? The small of your back. Like he jumped uh, on that area. Smalls? Yeah, he jumped like with both feet full force onto my lower back before we started recording last week, and that just like. I was not in good shape uh, after th- that. Th- there was that comedic crunch. Oh, it's there. It's still kind of crunchy, but you know that's it's pretty close back to its normal level of crunchy. One day I'm having back surgery. One day, not today. So, which one of us is the cripple again? <laughs> you make that joke time and time again, but we've established it's really me. I mean, certainly you have problems, but I'm the true cripple out of the two of us. My my broken ass body. Anyways, uh, yeah, I don't. I'm totally lost. We kind of went in like a weird tangent circle there, and my brain's like, I we just started the podcast, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, g- games. Did you play any yeah. games with tangents? That works. Good uh, enough. Tell me about them games you done did well, play. Well, Rage. this one could uh, be tangentially uh, talked about, I guess. Sweet. Since I didn't play it too much. Art of Rally, this uh, is a recently released game that came out on uh, Game Pass. And, oh boy, this is from the same developer that made Absolute Drift. Which, we both really praised the car handling in and just how easy it was to pick up and play. This one, not so much. It feels like they got the idea of make the game as pretty as they could with the... uh, Low poly uh, graphics, and then eh, we'll, we'll worry about uh, getting the car to handle better later. We'll do it later. We'll do it later. We'll do it. Le- what do you mean the game's releasing tomorrow? There's just <laughs> so many niggles about how the car handles that it is off putting to me. So, Art of Rally, as you might guess, 
is a rally game, which for those who uh, know me are usually pretty much my jam. I do love my dirt racing and rally tends to be a majority of dirt racing. And one thing that right off the bat that was off-putting to me, a complete lack of minimap and no call-outs for turns. So anybody that's played any rally game, the idea of rally is going through a closed course as fast as uh, possible. And usually you have some sort of code driver telling you what to expect coming up. Or at the very worst, a mini-map to look to see what is coming up. Well, you're giving one look at the course on the loading screen to uh, see uh, what part of this open world, which I'll get to in a little bit, uh, to be able to go in and uh, get an idea of what might be coming up. But the thing is that there, that's the only time you ever see the entire course. Everything else... You're in this third-person uh, camera, which it it's like at this perfect angle to give you a decent view. But if there's any incline whatsoever, all bets are off. I got burnt so many times by a hill that made it so that I just couldn't quite see what's coming up. Oh, there's a turn. Or even worse, going over an incline or going over a hill catching some air, and just sailing right past the turn I needed to make. It was just insane frustration because of that. But it's not just the lack of mini-map, the lack of call-outs, the lack of knowing what's going up. Because, okay, you could get over that with pure memorization of the courses, which, good luck with that, because every one of the career maps... Or the career levels is one or two chunks of this open world, which still I'll get to. Uh, but you know, you only really play it once, and it just progresses on. You could go back and try to improve yourself, improve your times, but it's just eh. Well, continue on, continue on, continue on. Uh, on this oddball story of the, like this parallel world where everybody is absolutely obsessed with rally course or rally racing. Not uh, enough so to make a decent car, it seems, but that's beside the point. Right. Uh, the brakes, they feel binary. Uh, to For one of the issues I have with the handling. In that, if you so much as look at the brake pedal hard enough, your car comes to a dead stop. An unrealistically dead stop, I might add. Which right. might be a counterpoint to the whole complete lack of mini-map. Well, you can just you know, slam on the brakes and come to a dead stop in like under a, a, a two or three car lengths. Never mind you were doing you know, like 70 miles an hour earlier, right? Right. Uh, but everything feels like the it's skating on ice. You're driving on dirt, it feels more like ice. Driving on pavement feels like ice. There's just this extreme over or sorry, extreme understeer going on, and going through the different uh, cars, going through from a front wheel drive to a rear wheel drive. There is a slight handling difference, but it still feels like you're oversteering all the time. And I'm not sure if it's they're expecting you to just slam on the brakes and 
you know, go around a turn at, you know, 15 miles an hour. Uh, never mind the fact that, you know, it's on most uh, uh, racing games, it'd just be barely a call out. There's just, like I said, so many. Eh. So I, I teased an open world a couple times. So there is a way to kind of learn the area. So all the uh, courses are chunks of this open world that you could go to, around and explore to find uh, hidden things. Uh, and if you find uh, like all five letters for rally, you get uh, the, unlock the next world or the next map area to start looking around there. Uh, there's a couple collectibles that you can find. But all is just really cosmetic stuff, and it feels more like padding. This doesn't feel like a twenty-some dollar game. This feels like you know ten to fifteen. It's it's just kind of this weird spot, and it might just be going into it with the expectation of, from Absolute Drift, where it was such a satisfying driving game that they, uh, yeah. Nailed it where you felt like a badass, but it wasn't just the game giving it to you. It taught you how to do it. It it showed you uh, all the tricks, and then it's like, okay, now go do your thing. This, right? Yeah, I will say that there are quite a few adjustments that you can make on the uh, driver assists, but I Mm -hmm. never found anything that felt like it did anything. You could uh, adjust the amount of steering assist and the amount of brake assists, but it still felt way understeer. It still felt like you were just slamming on the brake. Right. And mind you, I went, actually went in to my controller settings. This should tell you how much I tried on this. So, for those who don't know, I use a DualShock 4 with uh, DS for Windows on my PC. And one of the uh, things I could do with that is going in and changing the trigger curves so that just brushing the trigger instead of having the linear 1 to 100, it's like goes 1, 1 1.5, 2. It just slowly builds up. You could uh, change it so it's more extreme. I turned it as far down as I could without going into custom uh, trigger curves and it still felt off. There is something going on on this. And I increased the dead zones to make sure it's just, you know, there wasn't something I was picking up with for my controller. I changed profiles because typically whenever I'm running the DualShock, I'm running with an emulated controller so it sees Xbox controls. And I'll change that to make sure it wasn't picking up like double inputs from both the emulated and the direct, uh, the direct input from the PlayStation. That didn't change it. It's just odd. I don't know how this has such positive reviews, unless I'm just going into it with a lot better expect or a lot higher expectations. Maybe I'll I'll try to remember to play it before next time, so I can give you some brief thoughts of my own about it. I mean, it was on my list to play, so... Yeah, and it is on Game Pass, so... If you want to check out, great, but it's just... I mean, just go into, like, the artwork, and... 
uh, on this on uh, the Steam page, and the fourth or the third artwork down, there's a double. It should give you an idea of you know some of the BS where person goes around the turn and starts to just flip and right. Here, I could actually link it to you. I think hopefully okay. easily enough. Come on. Uh, it's waiting for Google Analytics to do something. Uh, if come on, are you gonna send it to me on Discord? Oh, well, I'm trying to. Okay, there we go. Um, yeah, it's just sometimes I Steam does some weird shit. Yeah. Okay, so well, that's okay. You can always show me later, or uh, I got I got a link. So here, like, this is uh, some of the stuff that I uh, sent it to you on Discord. It, it just feels off. See shared files. Yeah. Huh. Not what I was expecting from that picture. From what was shown off at what was it, E3 or whatever. Yeah. Looks like a weird mobile phone game, actually. It just has these really, really weird uh, physics. And looking at the artwork, there are some people that does some amazing driving with it. It just might be the fact that I just don't have the patience for it. It feels like shit going in, and I could go play Forza instead of play this. Right. That's a hard uh, you know, proposition to survive. It's like, well, would I keep playing this, or would I go play more time in Forza? Or, or play... Let's put it this way. If I had to, uh, uh, a choice between playing this and Dirt 5, it would be a hard choice. Damn, you hated Dirt 5. That's saying something. All right. Um, you uh, you ready for me to, to give my yeah. first one? Yeah, All go right. for it. So my first game is Raptor Boyfriend, a high school romance. So this game is a visual novel dating sim where you... Um, are going, you, you move to a new high school and it's a high school that exists in a town that is populated by, um, mystical creatures of some kind. Um, there's, there's different ones. It's not like there's just one, but mystical creatures and magic and stuff. Um, your character had been to this town before for like summer camp, but due to some changing circumstances, you move here with, uh, with your dad. Um, and it is interesting. Um, you know, a ton of stuff I can't talk about for spoilers of the story for anyone who wants to play it. So I'll, I'll be g- general, um, fairly general, um, about it and not spoil anything. Um, in the first like 15 or 20 minutes of the game, you're introduced to all three love interests that you can pursue through various choices that you make and some very, very, light mini games. Um, there is, uh, my personal favorite, although not the one that I'm dating, um, Robert, the Raptor, uh, he's a skateboarding Raptor dude. And he's like totally rad and cool. It's like a, almost like a nineties idea of like what a, um, you know, like a cool, High school oh, dude would be, uh, but it's uh, a here. I thought you were going to say almost a nineties idea of what a raptor is going to be. <laughs> well, it's it's a little bit closer to that too, but you know, it's like a nineties idea of like what a cool dude would be. 
uh, totally rad dude with his skateboard and his extreme sports. Um, but as a Velociraptor. Then there's Taylor, which is your old best friend, and he's a Sasquatch. He was like your best camp buddy, and you kept in touch as, as pen pals throughout the school year. But, oh no, you haven't spoken with him in years because you're a weird hormonal teenager. And so you you didn't talk to him, and things are awkward between you. And then there's my favorite, the girl who I'm trying to date, which is Day, the Fae. She's a, she's a fairy girl. I said moth girl in the pictures I posted in our Discord, which, by the way, join our Discord for weird pictures about raptor boyfriends. <laughs> but um, uh, I said moth girl, but turns out she's actually just like a fairy. Um. And uh, she's a very cute lesbian fairy girl um, who's kind of mysterious and nerdy and seems to have a, a bit of a dog past of some kind. And then you just do like high school, like typical high school adventure shit. So it's like the very first sort of date you can go on. And, and this is how most of the game plays. So you show up, you do like a day at school. There's something going on. The very first one is like a party at a lake um and all three of your possible love interests are going to the lake party and so you do your day at school you find out about the lake party you go home you have a chance to call one of them and talk to them on the phone very 90s um and then you go to the event and you can make fairly simple conversational you know dialogue choices um and then at some point, something will come up and they'll ask you a question based on the conversation you had earlier. And essentially, you win like brownie points with them if you remember what it was that they said during your phone call. Um, and then you do sort of the event and then you go home and there's a reflection, like a reflecting period on it. Um, and then you go to school the next day and the story plays out in that way. There's a few things that are different um, as you go along. Special events you get into or sort of like group dates where you go out with multiple people um, at at once. Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't beaten it yet, so I'm not sure how much your choices matter per se in the long run, other than just like the unique scenes that you get for um, dating the different uh mythical creature boys uh boys or girl um but there's definitely some replayability there you also get to change some things based on your backstory like it'll um you get an opportunity to say something like especially like during the first day when you're introducing yourself to everybody and it's like it'll be like um you know they ask you like oh so where why are you here like did you move here like what was your reason for moving and you can be like honest and be like oh my um you know, this thing happened in my life. And so we moved out here because of it, or you can try to be, um, or not, you can try to be like the thing that you say changes your character's backstory. So, you know, you can, you can tell them like, Oh, this thing happened. So we moved because of it. Or you can tell them like a different reason. Um, and that becomes your character's backstory. It's not like your character lies to them. Um, that becomes the backstory, which I thought was neat. Um, and then your character also is sort of telling all of this as like a, uh, you know, a second hand kind of thing. And at first I thought she had a therapist, but actually she's talking to her teddy bear, which is, you know, the next best thing for a teenager to have is uh, a stuffed animal that they can tell all of their secrets to. 
the art style is gorgeous. Um, I'm sure there are other things that have a similar art style. I haven't had it seen a game that quite has this art style to it. Um, some things are very fanciful and over-exaggerated. Some things are minimalistic. Um, there are slight differences in the art style itself based on sort of the type of scene that you're in, which I think is very fitting. Like you can, you've seen this, well, you, you might have listener seen this done in comic books or an anime or, or something where that, um, the art style will change for a specific character or a specific scene if they're trying to convey a certain tone. And this uses that, not nothing major, but like minor changes in the art style or the color palette or the way that the characters look in a scene versus how they normally do. So that's, that's good stuff. Um, and then the soundtrack is really good. Um, it's got a very, uh, life is strange vibe to the soundtrack. And I loved the life is strange soundtrack. It fits in very well with this sort of like move out to a small town in the middle of nowhere with like something like mystical and weird going on. Um, very, very good soundtrack. Um, it does have this weird, annoying thing for like the text scroll for the characters where it's, it makes like this little like noise and the noise is different for each of the characters. And it took me a minute to figure out how to turn that off. Um, uh, basically, uh, um, like Banjo Kazooie did back in the day. I, yeah. Kind of like that. Um, it's just, it's really frustrating. It was okay at first. And then I'm like, oh God, this is getting annoying. So I had to go find it in the options menu and turn it, turn it off. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that's about all I can say about it without, you know, spoiling stuff. Like it, you know, it, it, like the premise of the game, like it wears its premise on its shirt sleeve. Like it's using the fact that it's like data Raptor or a Sasquatch boy or a fae girl. Like that is right there on the 10. So, you know, that stuff is not, uh, not spoilers. Um, but there are, you know, there are other recurring characters that you run into, some of which are normal, normal ass humans, some of which are also other mystical creatures of some kind. So it's fun. It's a fun, fun game, fun story, good dating sim so far. If that changes when I beat it, I will report back and let you know. I do, I do think it has a certain amount of pl- replayability, but. You know, it also could be one of those things where you play it once, you get your route, and then you go to YouTube and look at all the rest of them, you know? But, regardless, good game. So, uh, speaking of good games? Yep. So, this is the latest expansion to RimWorld. RimWorld Ideology. And it basically adds a pseudo-religion system uh, into RimWorld. Plus uh, the ability to kind of alter the game rules. I've talked to you about this personally, but haven't talked about it on the show because I learned some time with it. And it gets a little wild. So, mind you, I do play with a lot of mods. But this adds base functionality for some really interesting things. So, the idea of it is that each group has like their own traditions and uh, virtues and uh, stuff that they prefer. And it could radically change the game rules Uh, to give an example uh, in the base game. uh, One of the most 
meme things about RimWorld is people always talking about cannibals and making human armor uh, out of human leather, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, in order to actually do that in the game, you have to have someone with a very particular trait. Each character in the colony has between one and three traits, and one of them has to be cannibal in order to eat humans without getting a a debuff, uh, and, uh, uh, and to be able to butcher them to make human leather. Well, in ideology, it allows you to go in and start setting up your religions or, or belief system or whatever, because you can, depending on how you actually set the backstory of it, which is all flavor text there, it makes it so that it's more of a belief system, it makes it more of a group ideology, it makes it so that, you know, it's just, you know, uh, just a, you know, what the uh, what your colony is kind of uh, agreed to. It can run the gambit on that one. Uh, you can make it so that you know people prefer to eat humans, even if they don't have that trait. It overwrites the tra- uh, the trait, and the cannibal trait gets a bonus on top of that. Uh. Then you can start to get some of the weirder things, like um, uh, have ritualistic blindings, so that your colony is a bunch of blind people, and uh, they look down upon those who are uh, sighted because they uh, only see the false world that only blind, uh, only the blind could see the true world through uh, uh, their spiritualism. You can make right. a bunch of uh, nudist hippies that uh, you know, marry each other. Sign me up. You could go and uh, alter it so that people could take multiple uh, lovers and uh, husbands and wives and just have a big uh, love fest. Uh, you could set up a, a rancher group so that uh, they want to really eat meat. They get bonuses to uh, animal husbandry. They uh, and they they actually added in a proper way to manage animals uh, in a free patch when this expansion came out. Uh, to uh, they they get bonuses to animals, but they also dislike eating plants because uh, right M- must be Texans. Um, or some of the more interesting ones on top of you know, the cannibals is tunnelers, so that. Uh, they basically become dwarves. <laughs> right. You want to just stay in the dark. Uh, you can actually combine it with a, a dark side uh, uh, meme as well. And make it so that they don't want, ever want to be outside in the light. So, But they also get huge bonuses whenever it's dark out. Right. So, interesting. And then there's precepts on top of that and rituals that you could take on where uh, you're able to go in and change these, which makes it so that uh, this is an expansion. I really suggest picking up, but not whenever you first start playing the game, because there's too many dials to change to get away from the base game, especially whenever the, whenever the game generates a new world for you to work with. All the different groups also get uh, their own stuff as well, and 
if you get somebody that has a rather extreme ideology uh, and start spreading that in your group, well, it could radically change how you're supposed to be playing your game. And it could catch you uh, out if you're not careful. You could have a cannibal come in and start preaching the uh, uh, the love of the long uh, pork. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Absolutely. You you go get some. Get you some of that colonist fat back. <laughs> uh, they could uh, start demanding ritual sacrifices. Uh, as part of the religions, uh, they get between one and four rituals that either are, you know, whenever they feel like it, or uh, for the player control colony, it's whenever you feel like it. Or that are set on various days throughout the year, and they can be, you know, something simple like just a drum party, you know, sit around, uh, smoke some uh, smoke leaf, and talk about your day. Or they could be gladiator duels. They could uh, be releasing sky lanterns. And uh, for the random religions, they are all random what the rewards are for a good ritual, but going in, you're able to change it for your own. That's why, I said, that's like I said, it's a, a lot of it is just going in and tweaking game rules. And you can min max this so that it would make the game a lot easier on you. But at the same time, if you want to have, you know, kind of a role play experience, which that's what this expansion really feels like it's leaning towards a bit more. You know, you yeah. can build your dwarves. You could make it so that they will only eat uh, mushrooms and uh, various uh, cave fungus and never want to go out in the light. And, oh, and uh, by the way, uh, uh, let's have all the slaves. Because that's something else in the expansion is uh, a base game uh, system for slavery. In some of the uh, religions, ideologies, whatever, actually, not only you know tolerate slavery, but encourage it and get upset if there's not enough slaves. <laughs> right. That makes that. I mean, that does make sense actually from yeah. many historical societies. So, and this is on top of uh, adding in uh, additional quest systems, so that uh, there's chain quests now. There's. Uh, different things that'll pop up. Um, a couple mods have gone in and tweaked things so that uh, one I really like is that occasionally there'll be an event pop up that you have a chance of changing your ideology slightly. For example, you, you might not tolerate slaves, but suddenly you know something happens that you might be neutral to it and make it more of a, of a gradual thing instead of a set in stone at the beginning of the game, which I do like. But I definitely see why they did it uh, like this in the expansion, because, you know, you could really gamify it. Yeah. But, but yeah, it, it's a very interesting way to play. And it drastically changes things. And cer uh, certain memes have very limited uh, effects on gameplay, but then you start getting into stuff like nudism. Well, suddenly, you know, it, that's going to drastically change things because nobody's wearing any armor anymore. 
Uh, you get into the uh, preferred weaponry so that totally nobody wants to uh, wield long-range weapons, so you have to get up close and personal. Well, if you're a nudist, well, that's going to be a, a lot of fun, huh? Um, I'm just looking at the list here. Um, there's some that it's just uh, a flat-out you know, debuff to your colony, or a potential debuff, because, right? Yeah. But it's you know, going in and doing roleplay, and that's part of it. And I love roleplay. Yeah, I think you would actually really enjoy this. It, I, I, we need to get you RimWorld sometime. Happy to oblige at some point. <laughs> um. Okay. I got... Yeah, uh, uh, well, uh, yeah. Get this expansion if you enjoy RimWorld. Especially if RimWorld's starting to wear a little bit on you and you want to be able to change things. Because there's a lot of things to change between the memes, the precepts, uh, and also, it adds in the ability to have leaders and uh, specialists that drop uh, certain skills in order to massively boost others, depending on the ideology. It's so much uh, to do, so, uh, so much to cover, so little time. Yeah. Okay, now you can go. Alrighty, so I played, have been playing Earth Defense Force 4.1. The Shadows of New Despair. And where I'm at in the game, I decided to talk about it a little bit longer than when you and I talked about it a few weeks ago after we played it. Um, well, what I about the playing... giant insects? <laughs> They're evolving faster than science. That's not possible. Um, but anyways, I have been playing it steadily uh, a few times a week with my kid since we last talked about it. Um, and... We're on mission 74 or 75 out of um, something like 90 missions or whatever. Um, And the game just keeps getting more and more and more ridiculous and occasionally more difficult, too. Um, There are difficulty spikes that sort of signal like the beginnings of a new sort of section of levels. Um, But it just keeps getting weirder and weirder and like more B movie and more and more tropey. And there are um, little Easter eggs that I'm picking up on that are references to like 1950s and sixties, like the giant insect horror movies, with like the giant ants and giant spiders and stuff um, references to other movies that have been put into this one. Um, like there's a, a joke about King Kong in there, which that's a pretty obvious one, but there's some that are less obvious too. Like just, that part is great. Um, it continues to up the ante on, um, you know, what it is that you do and the enemies that you face. So giant insects where you and I were, the ravagers had just shown up with like the first drones and stuff like the mothership show up and it's like, Oh no, they're dropping off drones. And then later Hector's like they're walking mech things. Um, but the enemies just get weirder and weirder. Dragons show up because why the fuck not? And eventually you go kill queens for the various insect types. So they're even gianter versions of those giant bugs. Um, and it just it just keeps going like that. And it is a blast. I love all of the stupid cheesy B-movie stuff about it. And the more that they lean into that on a you know, on a particular mission, the more I'm there for. 
So if you had been on the fence after we talked about this game the first time for one reason or another, hopefully it's, it's humor will, will help win you over. Um, you know, it's still, it's a Japanese game. There's still a decent amount of grinding that, uh, I have started doing when my kid's not around to work on getting more health and weapon types to make it a little bit easier. Cause the game definitely starts to get a running, like, progressive difficulty spike and there are still missions that are much easier or much much more difficult than what is uh uh you know what what you get um just sort of on through the course of normal playthrough um there does start to be like a a curve that you can look at and be like all right so this next mission is probably going to be you know this hard and you're more than likely right if you've been paying attention so it's it's getting hard. I'm having to do more and more grinding on my own of the character classes that we play, which I usually play the fencer now with him because the game upscales the difficulty the more people that you have playing. So I'll play the fencer, which has enough firepower to count for two people. And then he plays mostly the wing diver, but occasionally he wants to do something else. Well, it can actually uh, help you. Yeah. Whenever he is helpful, like my kid can be good at games and we can get past really difficult situations if we will, you know, put in some teamwork and make the dream work, baby. But sometimes it's difficult to get him to like really be helpful and work as a team when he can just wander off and do his own thing. We'll get there. But I just wanted to mention again. It's a really good game and I have had a fucking blast playing it both by myself uh, on nights and weekends and with my kid. Good time. Did you have any other games I've navigated away from the list? I uh, know. Okay. Cool beans. Well, that's it for games that we played this week. The only other thing that I really played is uh, XCOM for Game Club. So we'll be diving into that again in another couple of weeks. Um, let's yeah, move this on. It's been a long month. It has been. Uh, but yeah, let's move on to our first news topic of the night, which is. Uh, Despite what Blizzard said, TCPIP functionality for Diablo 2 Resurrected has been removed. So, uh, away from Blizzard being pieces of shit, let's talk about Blizzard being a lying piece of shit. Yeah. So, for those who don't know, and I admit, I have to sit and think about TCPIP land uh, functionality. Essentially, direct connection to other computers on the land to be able to have a LAN party. Well, you know, it's not like Diablo was really big on having LAN. Oh, wait, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, this is going to be painful coming up, isn't it? Probably. I mean, honestly. Anybody that's paying any attention to Blizzard, do they expect this to be any decent remaster without, at worst, tarnishing, if not completely destroying, the previous uh, incarnation of the game? Because it happened for Warcraft, so why wouldn't it happen for Diablo, right? Yeah. And, I mean, they say, in in the news article, they're quoted as saying, um... After deliberation, we will no longer be supporting this option as we identified potential security risks and are committed to safeguarding the player experience. Security risk, also known as, oh no, pirates might be able to use that. Yep. 
So you have to use it through Battle.net. Battle.net. Oh, but it's a good thing uh, Battle.net's completely stable and never has issues. Oh, yeah, wait. It's not, it's not like uh, yeah, the previous Diablo game they released uh, was uh, literally unplayable for several days on release because of Battle.net issues. And I had prolonged uh, issues for a long time because of Battle.net. Oh, wait. Hmm. Yep. So, I don't, I don't know. What else is there to this story other than Blizzard's a piece of shit? Or, well, well, excuse me, Blizzard continues to be a piece of shit. Uh, Blizzard being a lying piece of shit. Right, of course. And the thing is, they said just, you know, a few months ago, in February, that it was going to be part of the game. Because it was part of the previous uh, incarnation of it. Yeah. Uh, the fact that, uh, you know, y- you need to have a internet co- connection for a LAN party just seems silly. And yes, yes, I know. Having an internet connection uh, that could st- that could hold several people uh, over it isn't exactly expensive these days. It's the one the principle of the thing, and two, Blizzard has shown that they can't handle that sort of thing. Never mind the fact that yeah, it, it's just them going back on uh, another remaster and tarnishing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look forward to, well, I, I, well, I, I was about to say when Blizzard, uh, Activision Blizzard cleans house, but they're not going to clean house to the degree that they need to to be able to, uh, 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 be able to get rid of these people because you know it's uh, epidemic in the, the entire industry. It's just the rats will get their golden parachutes and end up in another company, and more rats will come in. Yep. So speaking of uh, so speaking of rats, right? Uh, next up, EA Evil. Actually, so I bought a bunch of buttons or pens from the Gymporium. Um, that is the uh, official, quote unquote, official Jim Sterling unquote shop um, with all sorts of it, merchandise like T-shirts and little. Like buttons or like pin on things, um, and some other stuff uh, to you know store that they've got their stuff up on. Um, and I was I was supportive and bought a half a dozen pens, and one of them is an EA pen. So obviously EA stands for Electronic Arts, and on the pen that I have, it says Evil Actually, with using the EA logo as like a base. It's real good. And we got a couple of shitty news articles coming out or related to EA this week. So the first one is EA thinks it doesn't get enough credit for how good it is with its acquired studios. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 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 that's rich. Very rich. So the actual quote, um, let's see if I can find it on here is my, chair makes a squeaking noise. I think we don't get enough credit for this, but EA is a bunch of people who really can work together, and we do a great job of working with other parts of our company. And when we bring in acquisitions, we work well with them. This is Blake Jorgensen, who is the CFO. So, yeah, let's just go to a list of uh, a 
set of companies I'm sure would disagree. Um, Westwood Studios, uh, the Command and Conquer series, uh, right? Do Fix, which, um, was the NBA Street series, Bullfrog, which do we need to talk about Bullfrog? No, I don't think so. Uh, Population, um, uh, Theme Hospital, Dungeon Keeper, eh, poor Dungeon Keeper, Playfish, uh, a small developer uh, with uh, focused on free to play games, Origin Studio, uh, Origin Systems, uh, not related to that Origin, which they're also shutting down by the way, and going to their desktop app. But part hey, would that mean that they're rebranding instead of shutting down, or eh? It's tough to say, but um, most notable for the Ultima games, Phenomic Games, uh, which uh, po- uh, the popular St- Spellforce RTS series, uh, yep. they were renamed to EA Pandemic or Phenomic and then shut down. Black Box Games, Need for Speed uh, in the mid two thousands, yeah, the top of that one, right? Uh, Victory Games, which. Uh, they were the continuation of the Command and Conquer series uh, for a time being because, yeah, that uh, ended up poorly for them, huh? Yeah. Uh, Mythic Entertainment, which uh, was Dark Age of Camelot, uh, DreamWorks Interactive. Uh, the, the article doesn't has a proper list. It's like a little blurb, so I'm happy to grab uh, stuff out of it. Uh, Medal of Honor, and also they were renamed EA Las Vegas before they, or Los Angeles before they got shut down. EA Salt Lake, which was the Tiger Woods EPGA series and uh, some of the sports games there. Maxis, which, oh, Maxis, that one hurts. The yep. Sims, uh, Sim City, uh, so many uh, just enjoyable uh, light Sim games. Which, uh, Maxis technically still exists, but it's like, yo, uh, it's sort of like Bernie. Uh, if you play enough, uh, sim music, it, it twitches and moves, but, you know, there's no, uh, no lights on. Visceral Studios, yeah. w- uh, Visceral Games, which was the Dead Space series, uh, and they were working on a Star Wars game, but when they got shut down, and Pandemic, of course, which was Battlefront, right? So, yeah, there's, um, 14 studios that would, uh, disagree with you, right? Yeah, plus all the players who supported and enjoyed those studios' games and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And some of those are, you know, or I shouldn't say some of those. A lot of those are just dead franchises that EA is sitting on like a dragon on a hoard of gold. Just so many different IPs that could still be relevant to the this day. I realize RTS is, uh, you know, a pretty much dead, uh, dead uh, genre. But Command and Conquer, yeah, a shitty mobile title. Uh, the Sims, uh, basically, you know, milking that one till uh, the tits are completely dry. Then they just release a new version that's slightly better looking with one new gimmick, but then they reset all the DLC. So, hey, you got to buy, you know, pets for the fifth time. Never mind the fact that, you know, what they did to Sim City. <laughs> What you did to my city. <laughs> All right. Fuck EA. Fuck them for, for thinking that they deserve credit where they don't. I would give them some credit 
if they quit being a shitty place to work. But uh, but, but they're not going to be. I mean, let's be honest. I yeah. mean, they are. Oof, right. Absolutely. So, uh, Apex but, Legends. Uh, oh. Yeah, but they uh, but they are uh, promising they will consider player perspective when they deal us their games next time. <laughs> right. Uh, you forgot the other article. Uh, was there another one? Oh, you're right. There was another one. I skipped down to it. That's my bad. I apologize. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they pulled uh, a lot of their extremely old games from GOG uh, in June with very little uh, notice. And uh, they put them back up for a, a short time. I, I think you could still grab them uh, to grab them for free before they pull them and delist them again. It's just uh, they're promising to consider player perspective or perspective. I mean, it's just uh, why don't they just come out and say, you know, uh, uh, fuck you, right? Yeah, it's all about the money. Somehow this is about money. Okay, so uh, you could grab uh, them on GOG till September 3rd uh, for free. Then they're going to pull them again. Correct. I don't think they were. This this goes one of two yeah. ways. Either they weren't actually expecting any bad publicity from it, so they're doing this to save face, or they did expect bad publicity, and this was a uh, a stunt to garner some positive engagement with folks. I I don't think they planned that far ahead, especially on some on stuff like uh, some of the alt uh, Ultima games was in that list, which. I realize Ultima was very niche, uh, especially these days. But yeah, you know, it's uh, pulling an Ultima game, right? Yeah. Um. Uh. When making decisions that affect players, we take time to review exactly what the potential impacts are and whether uh, they uh, serve the player's best interests. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 why don't they just say pride and accomplishment and just put their foot completely in their mouth? Right? Yeah. I should go to GOG and pick up these titles for free. <laughs> yeah. Don't know if I ever play them, but I should, I should get them. I mean, especially since it'll be a pain in the ass to get them otherwise, right? Yeah. Because then you have to sail the high seas, and for stuff this old, you're starting to get into the area of uh, some weird uh, uh, compatibility issues. While the GOG versions are usually pretty good about that sort of thing. Yep. Just scrolling back through this article to make sure there's not anything that I missed or do you want to talk about? Uh, um, it's, it's kind of a, uh, a PSA to grab these games at the same time. It's just it, it's just slightly north of them issuing the apology JPEG on Twitter, right? Yeah. Yep. I don't feel like that this is going to do anything or make any difference. It's like, oh, we got caught doing this thing that you guys don't like, so we're going to do something you do like, and then things go back to normal, right? Mm-hmm. So there's always always damage control going on. So uh, speaking of damage control and doing things that they uh, that they want... Apex Legends save Titanfall hack allegedly part of Slap's elaborate scheme to review canceled Titanfall online. Revive. Did I say review? Yes. 
Oops. Revive Titanfall Online. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure you could review Titanfall Online. I mean, eh. Yeah. Uh, but, okay, so... Apparently, this is a group that got a real hard-on for a free-to-play version of Titanfall. And wanted to revive it, but in order to do so, they need the source code of the original game. So they started this weird gambit to hold two games hostage. One that is the sequel to the game that they wanted to revive and has had a severe issue with player numbers in order to get the source code to revive a game that most people probably didn't even know existed. Right. Is this the first Titanfall online multiplayer thing? Uh, this is the free-to-play mobile one. Oh. If I recall correctly. I'm just making sure... Okay, so it was developed by Nexion and marketed in the Asian market. So that should tell you where this is going, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh... Yeah, it was a port of the original Titanfall game, which is explains why they needed the source code. Uh in big in South Korea and China. Yeah. I'd heard a thing that they were working on some and it could be have just been like changes or something to the back end to copy the um the yeah, multiplayer I... from Titanfall One, like the cause it, Titanfall One had like a did not a, a uh, dynamic is wrong. There were missions you had to complete, but a, a somewhat dynamic um, multiplayer uh, it, campaign. Yeah, okay, it was PC, but it was in Korea only. So, oh, okay. So it should give you an idea of what to expect with this sort of game, right? Yeah. Because, well, you said it yourself, you know, JRPG with uh, Earth Defense Force. A lot of grinding. Uh, it's just, eh. Yeah. I mean, I... I do get the idea of someone wanting to preserve a game that they like. Okay, and that's, in my opinion, noble. But holding two games hostage to try to get the source code for it, right? Yeah. Instead of doing what every other one of these revival projects have done and basically tried to reverse engineer and figure it out on their own. I mean, to be fair, I have no idea just how difficult that is. I extremely I assume extremely difficult, but yeah, this is just well evil. Actually, uh, it's just crazy, huh? Yeah. Um. <laughs> so until I was okay, so I thought that this article is not about sort of an obscure online only version in uh, Korea. South Korea, or, or whatever. Like, I was under the impression that this, this was something connected to, like, the first Titanfall. No, 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 no. No, they were wanting to revive, if I'm reading this right, uh, a free-to-play version of Titanfall that was released in South Korea, and were impacting Titanfall 2's multiplayer, what few people are on that these days. Although with uh, Game Pass, that might be a lot more. I haven't actually checked. Yeah, neither have I. Uh, but they were also going after Apex Legends. I mean, that's... <laughs> that, that's not smart, because, you know, 
Yeah, we've talked about EA. They they love to kill uh, uh, developers that are underperforming. If you kill a game that they've worked on, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And the way they <laughs> okay, so they have an in depth knowledge and experience with the Source Engine and the way Titan Falls files work. We have people in who would, uh, in a heartbeat, spend money. I ask that uh, Respawn solves this issue permanently by giving us access and control over Titanfall 1 servers, which permission to moderate and to ban users in. Can I be so bold, even mod the game? Perhaps even just one server. Respawn has expressed interest in the idea in the past and all the solutions to the exploits uh, problems and player re- retention I- I problems we've come up with. Community-run servers is the strongest. This is from one of the of the uh, the mouthpiece of the Save Titanfall movement. That oh, that, yeah, they know how good these hackers are because they are the hackers, <laughs> right? Right. Titanfall is an interesting game series in this perspective, and we've talked about I think mostly Titanfall two, with it being sort of uh, reveal or revered as a I guess you could say like a cult. Well, cult's the wrong way to look at it, but a something of more of a hidden, yeah, a hidden gem with how good the story was. And Titanfall One is also an excellent game, and I would, I would imagine that if it's using the same base um, for terms of like mechanics and stuff, Titanfall Online is also a good game to play. It Very solid mechanics how, all around. How groundy it could be because we are talking about Asian free to play uh, shooter. Yeah, yeah, I, I know that. Out of context, that probably sounds incredibly racist. <laughs> However, yeah. we, are ta- racist. we are talking about free-to-play shooters just in general. They are unspeakably grindy. And there's just something about Asian game design that ter- that's like a, a, plus multipli- a, a plus multiplier on the, all this. I'm not sure if it's a cultural thing, if it's just the way the monetization kind of is evolved there or what. Yeah. Now I kind of want to play Titanfall. Might play Titanfall 2. I don't know. I got too many games on my might play or want to play list right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Game Pass is uh, throwing them out quickly as well. Yep. I don't know. I don't. Um, I hope that they that they win, that they get what they want in the end. Uh, I think that's probably a good thing. I'm not sure if rewarding them is actually a good idea because it's just going to embolden another group. I mean, we're also talking about... (sighs) Okay, so... I see that there's... uh, You know, be able to revive an old game that can no longer be played uh, is preserving game history. However, going to Criminal Acts to do it uh, impacting gameplay of for other people is going too far, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But we're also we also have to look at the realistics of this. Is that we're talking about you know a high double A, low triple A title, and giving up the uh, enough of the source code to be able to actually get it to work. Or you know, give them control over the uh, the servers, which allows them to see how it works. Well, whenever you're talking about stuff in games like this, it's never a sandbox. These systems are used over and over again in-house. 
And, you know, if you even talk about just this developer, stuff that they used in Titanfall and Titanfall 2 could have translated to how they work Apex Legends, which is a free-to-play game, and if you get an exploit there, well, suddenly you start losing a lot of revenue. And that's not even getting to the idea of EA giving up uh, the trade secrets. Really? Right? Yeah. Because we're also dealing with an evil overlord once again. Yeah, I don't I don't see that that last part happening with him giving up trade secrets. I just don't see that happening under any circumstance. Now, if this was some indie house, maybe, but then you wouldn't have this bigger uh, uh, game that you would have to worry about. Yeah, I just this just feels like a really a not only a waste of their time to try to uh, run this huge heist, essentially, uh, but also, you know, just to ruin everybody's day in the end. In during the process of carrying yeah. it out, yeah, yeah, because okay. even though neither of us really care about battle royales, or at least Apex Legends style battle royales. It's still, you know, ruining people's day uh, if the servers are getting DDoSed. Yeah. It's ruining the people that are actually still able to enjoy Titanfall 2. Or uh, able to enjoy Titanfall by playing Titanfall 2. Because they're, you know, getting hit with it as well. Mm -hmm. It's just weird. Yeah. I suppose we'll see how it all turns out over the next coming, you know. Weeks, months, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or this will just fizzle out and uh, you know, they get arrested. All right. Yeah. But uh, I hope they hope they stick it to the man, the evil actually man or woman. I mean, I'm equal opportunities. Okay. Um, our was this was this one a community submission? I could just go look. I suppose. Uh, no. Uh, okay. The Carble? No. Yeah. So I don't think anybody game... mentioned it, at least. Or if they did, it was like two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. So our last one for the night. Um, after more than a decade in development, uh, Kerbal Space Program has come to an end. So our... Um... Kind of last time really talking about Kerbal, or at least Kerbal 1. Yeah. Because Kerbal 2 is now going to be next year at the earliest. Yeah. It's kind of crazy just how long they developed uh, this little indie game about space parogs, right? Yeah. Indie space game again about space frogs. And explosions. And rapid unplanned disassembly. But there's, actually, it's lasted long enough that there's engineers that owe their interest to this, uh, to the field, to Kerbal Space Program. Kind of crazy, huh? Yeah. You know, I've been wanting to play KSB again. It's, it's like it's one of those things that's like always there in the back of my mind. Like I could play KSP. I can install mm-hmm. that and play it. Get a few mods, you know. Launch some spacecraft. Well, now sort do, of getting the DLC. Yo, know, it's going to be a stable experience, so you don't have to worry about another patch breaking things. Yeah. It's and been... that's the thing. Is that, well, I was going to say it's just so much support for the uh, for the game and its community. Yeah. To say it's been like five years from for us, right? Since we yeah. started this show and sort of the 
the death or the moving on of, of Kerbal Cast. Mm-hmm. Wherever those guys are now, I wish them well. well I thought Biff was locked in your uh, basement. You go down uh, and with the stickery so often. Well, he escaped. Every, I go looking for him every once in a while, but his uh, he dug out his microchip. <laughs> Left the ear behind. He's gone kind of feral, but um, yeah, a long road for KSP. One that has had some bumps along the way. Um, some very, a few very big and negative bumps. Some really big positive strides. Um, yeah, ultimately, uh, they, uh, a weird beta. Yeah. But that ultimately, patch, right? Do what? I uh, remember when the beta was just like one patch and then they released. Um, the one where, yeah, 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 yeah. I had to think about it for a second. But yeah, a lot of good memories from KSP. Gonna introduce my kid to it. Hopefully, he <laughs> really gets into more than just watching the rockets and making them blow up phase. Hopefully, we're out of that phase now. Yeah, I really look forward to trying out KSP too, and I hope it lives up to the legacy. Same. Although it has some very big uh, shoes to fill. Are Kerbal feet big, or are they small? Okay, it has a big helmet to fill. <laughs> Fair enough. Although, if they don't include some sort of base mod support uh, in KSP2, they've missed the entire point of that game. Yeah. I agree. So, uh, um, see you, Jeb, and uh, Val, and, and Bill, and Bob. Bob, see y'all in the next one. Or until or until you respawn, right? Or get rescued. Rescue mission. All right. That was it for the topics that we have for the week. Um, it was a. I mean, we you you know you grabbed some news topics for this week, some for last mm-hmm. week. There wasn't a lot of like big important news stories, so that's gonna do it for us on our news topics for the week. Um. Rage, how can they get in contact with us? Where can they go if they want well, to submit some topics of their so, own? Podcast at gmail.com. You could uh, drop that by the Twitter, VGL Podcast. Or if you wish to go to the Discord and leave something there, go to vglpodcast.podbean.com and find a link over there. Yep, yep. Want to do a discovery queue? Ah, uh, sounds good to me. We have made excellent time tonight, which is good for two reasons. One, uh, I'm I'm tired. I'm still getting used to my kid's school schedule. Like, it's been going for a week, and still getting used to that. Um, so, you know, I'm tired. It'd be good for me to go to bed a little, or by, you know, on time. Uh, and two, uh, you know, I'm like all broken and stuff. More said than usual. So, Conquest of Elysium 5. A turn-based fantasy strategy. A little bit of roguelite. A little bit of rock and roll. I mean, this looks like it's Escape from the 90s. I've seen uh, the previous ones pop up before. It's a very deep roguelite strategy RPG thing. And absolutely fascinating, but also, you know, baffling to try to get into. And I saved that for Dwarf Fortress, really. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, for those who want something like this, it's great that they still make it, including, you know, making our fifth one, it seems. 
I mean, I looked at the reviews for the previous one, and they're really positive. So, if this one holds up this legacy at all, well, there you go, right? Yeah. Um, I just, I just got one. I, I had a couple that were real, real big duds. I just got one though. Uh, link incoming now. Carrier Command Two. Um, the original Carrier Command released in, I believe, the 1980s, and it had sort of a, a spiritual successor or reboot game. Uh, it was called Carrier Command Gaia Mission or Gaia Mission. Um, and that game came out in the ooh, late 2000s, early 2010s. Um, I have it. It's another game I had thought about replaying. What the, the game is, is it's a real-time strategy game um, where you have a limited amount of forces and you can control them purely in a strategy fashion. But you can also um, take over your various units to aid them in completing whatever you have assigned them as their mission. You know, is it just a straight-up destroy mission? Are you capturing something, be it a point or cargo or whatever? And the storyline is that you're... Um, at least for guy mission, um, you're, uh, a, you, you take over like this prototype aircraft carrier that can build and produce its own units on board with like some type of like, you know, nano machines and amphibious assault units and air units and whatever. Like you take it over, you restock it, and then you fight the bad guys and you have to capture like all of the island bases and destroy the bad guy ship. Um, this looks like it's more of a direct sequel to the 1980s release Carrier Command. So the focus is more so on just straight up the strategy of like, win the battle, complete the missions. I could be wrong, but that's kind of the impression I get from looking at it. Very excited for this, though. Um, if it's, you know, as good as the older games, it'll be great to see what kind of modern spin or twist they put on it like even i wouldn't call the graphics like top notch but just by default of sort of the passage of time it looks much better than the more recent guy emission so i think i think i'm in on this one okay well i got patron uh okay. essentially banished 2.0 it's a city survival uh, builder or survival city builder However, okay. there's no combat in the game. Instead, it's all around social systems. So, dealing with social issues and trying to balance the community around those. And it sounds very interesting, if done well. Um, trying to find more info on that. They, uh, class strife, immigration, religion, health, safety, loyalty... And also going through the t uh, through a large tech tree, which is something banished kind of had, but not really. So it's interesting, and it does looking at it remind me a lot of banished, only you know, prettier. So yeah, See? that yeah. I mean, I mean, just the, that style of building, right? Yeah, I mean that's. Very tempting. Not sure at the $20 level just to jump in without knowing more about it. It does sound like there's uh, some niggles, some quality of life issues that they could work on. 
But yeah, uh, usually whenever you're dealing with these survival games, you know, there's a lot of combat. So having something that's you know completely insular and you know, you're you are your own worst enemy. Yeah, d- does sound very interesting to me. Although, you know, it can also come off as a little hokey if they you know, are a little too heavy handed about it. So, well, interesting. Anyway. Indeed. Yep. So, my next one is Boyfriend Dungeon. Date your weapons. Romance sword staggers. I'm surprised you didn't talk about that this up. week. I didn't play it this week. I intended it's to. It's on but Game I didn't Pass. It. Yeah, this game is on Game Pass. Uh, so yeah, Boyfriend Dungeon. Date your cool swords and stuff, and uh, put them in places where you probably shouldn't want to put a sword, but it would be fun too anyways. Oh my. Um, but this is a uh, isometric um, uh, action RPG um, with dating sim elements to it, where that you do indeed date your weapons, or like the spirits inside your weapons kind of thing. Um, and the stronger you build your relationship with your weapon, the stronger the weapon itself becomes, which I thought was neat. So I'll play it eventually and talk to you about it. So I got Car Mechanic Simulator 2021. So an update to the original, it sounds like. Although I never got to play the original Car Mechanic Simulator. I played some of the knockoffs with goes into different areas. None of them have ever been from the same developer, which is something I've always meant to go do, but, you know, right? Yeah. But just flipping through the uh, the screenshots, there's so much more here than what any of the kind of knockoffs have uh, done. Hey, I got, uh, I already got this one, but I got Conquest of Elysium 5. Ah. Looks neat. And it looks like there's a detailing one as well that's going to be uh, part of this or is like a, an additional part uh, or an additional section of the game so going in and car or detailing simulator <laughs> going in and cleaning the cars right right yeah but which I, I'm not going to knock it because I've seen people playing power watch wash simulator yeah that sort of thing can be really relaxing mm-hmm and for a car guy, you know, uh, going in and doing something like this, right? Yeah. I do want to play car or mechanic simulator at some point. It's just never uh, been much of a car guy to really jump into it. Yeah. And I don't think the base or the original game. Well, actually, I was about to say it's ever been very cheap, but it's seven bucks right now. That's tempting. What was that last thing you just said? Sorry? Oh, I was going to say, I'm not sure if I ever caught a car mechanic simulator on deep discount, but it's actually fairly cheap right now. Gotcha. Uh, tempting, to say the least, right? Yeah. So I got uh, Road 96, a visual novel. Oh, I just had that pop up as well, but go for it. Hitchhike your way to freedom in this crazy, peacefully generated road trip. Uh, no one's road is the same. I've heard some mixed things about this one. Some that love that, just how uh, mixed the uh, experience is. And some that hate that. that yeah, it's, If you don't stick on an exact uh, trajectory on your choices, 
it just kind of meanders and does nothing. All right. Uh, uh, I got speaking of um, uh, simulators. I got another one, lawn mowing simulator, but it's actually full on, actually pretty impressive graphics for what it is. Going around mowing, mowing uh, some very upscale lawns with uh, you know some rather impressive amounts of machinery to do so. This <laughs> is uh, I, I'm not joking. This is from the developers of like Space Crew. I mean, this is. I mean, they have Bomber Crew on here as well, but yeah, some actually decent games on here, and then you have Manuel Samuel. So yeah, I mean a proper developer for one of these games that if you want to just go you know, send your underwear and mow lawns there you go right all right uh i got uh you got quiet there for a minute are you still there yeah i'm here you? okay so i got uh, i got one another one uh elden ring this is the one that was uh george r, r. martin um is writing or co-writing or something like that um that i have seen people be very happy about basically a dark souls-esque also it's never gonna get finished no (laughs) it is never gonna get finished with george r R. martin working on it um but i mean that works with video games anyways like there's so many early access games that never get finished so elden ring i don't i mean i don't really like dark souls games and r R. martin i don't think is is like you know all that like he's fine it's not like he's a bad author but he's not like the shit you know so uh, well to be fair you know the comparison between his stuff and what they did with the last season of uh, game of thrones supposedly yeah yeah he's the ship by ship proxy <laughs> so i got garden story Unify a broken community as the newly appointed Guardian of the Grove traverse a vibrant island uh, uh, to combat the invasive rot. So essentially a kind of like 2D Zelda-like with yeah. uh, some community building in the process. Uh, and it does look like you're actually going in and rebuilding the town and uh, building it up, which is uh, interesting. I've seen a few of these Zelda-likes uh, do that. So, which I know calling something a Zelda like uh, sounds very dismissive, but it's the easiest way to kind of talk about uh, the style of gameplay, you know, the action RPG uh, uh, adventure game. But it's very cute. It has like this really nice, colorful art style. I mean, even the boss that they uh, kind of show here, or at least I think that's a boss, it, it, it's goofy. So yeah, sweet. Um, I got one that makes me happy to see, and I hope it turns out good. Called Mech Andromeda. Mech Andromeda. Um, command and customize your own squad of battle mechs. You can mix and match weapon types, um, leg types for different speeds or other other buffs you get from them. So on and so forth. Looks, um, I mean, just up right up my alley. You know, turn-based mech combat that's not battle tech, so you get some original designs. You know, ones that are inspired. It'll be nice to see some original, original content. It's been a while for me, but yeah, mech 
Mech Armada. Did I say Andromeda before? I might have. Yeah. Mech Armada. Well, I genuinely, I thought it was Andromeda. That was on a misspeak. That was, I guess, a misread. But in my defense, the mech or the the mech, the um the font is uh could be used for cursive. Uh, so I got Death Trash, <laughs> uh, which is a fun uh, name to say. Yeah. A post-apocalyptic cosmic horror survival RPG. Uh, uh, kind of a CRPG going on here with a little bit of like cyberpunk going in as well from the looks of it. It, it, it looks very old school and very Cthulhu-esque almost. I mean, it yeah, is early access. It's an RPG in early access. So that is a big warning sign to not get it right now because, right? Yeah. I'm, let me just, uh, and they're planning for early access for about a year, which, uh, but if it takes longer than uh, that to make the game, they're happy uh, with that. Uh, it, they'll take more time. So it's tough to really say, get this now with an early access RPG, because we've seen so many just polish the hell out of that first act and then just kind of fall off in quality. I hope that this isn't one of them because it looks interesting. That kind of pulsating blood Cthulhu monster that they show on the store page is uh, creepy as hell, uh, notably so. And it looks like it's more of an action RPG instead of uh, yeah, turn-based, like you would expect from the art style, which is nice. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, that was the end of my queue a moment ago. Okay, um, I got was my two- final total six. Yeah, I got two more on my queue. I'm just looking at this room real quick. Yeah, why the hell not? So, I had Boyfriend Dungeon and a, a, a Carrier 2 uh, pop up, but Black Book. Lavic uh, Myths and an RPG adventure where you're battling with cards. <laughs> yeah. I mean, We've seen quite a few of these card battlers. It doesn't look like your card battlers like you've yep, seen like in Slay the Spire, that sort of thing. Or it's the deck builder. It's a bit different. It has a interesting thing going on with this, uh, with some of the uh, screenshots, but that might just be the, yeah, uh, an unusual uh, lore behind it that uh, that makes me kind of eh, that, that looks weird to me and I think that's probably it which also makes it look interesting to me full release 25 bucks yeah and looking at my last one so something a little bit different on my queue to finish things off are you saying you have something a little different or that was a little different uh, no no this well this one's also a little bit different but Slavic myths are also a little bit different huh uh, dead, dread Templar. A like '90s first-person shooter <laughs> built in modern times, with some modern uh, sensibilities thrown in, but also old-school level design from the sounds of it. It does look uh, rather interesting, though. It might just be because yo know, grew up in that time, so having a 
very not just retro inspired but retro feeling uh, FPS where it's not just going down a corridor but you know exploring the world and finding secrets and puzzles right something that you don't see pop up too often it is early access though so you know warning sign right especially yeah. since they're talking about more than a year in early access but whenever you hit the year mark yeah it's like yeah, make it two I just want to see this in action real quick. And yeah, it looks like it's somewhat fast paced, but not as like serious Sam fast paced with some bullet time thrown in for good measure because why not? Right. So yeah, that's my cue. Finishing off with a dread Templar. Hello. Hey. Oh, there you are. Did you I lose you for a minute? You got quiet on me. I think I lost you for a minute. Uh, possibly. Did um, you lose me? I think I, I did. I do think I lost you for a minute because I was just kind of waiting. Well, I've on been you saying to... you're chattering away for a bit, so talk about Dread Templars. Dread Templars. You didn't hear any of that, then, did you? No, I don't think I heard any of that. <laughs> I am tired. I'll blame some of it on tiredness and some of it on like you either cut out or I lost you for a minute or something. Or you just fell asleep. No, I didn't fell asleep. You would have heard me snoring. Or I would have banged my head against my microphone. Which would have been hilarious, though. Yeah. I have seen some stuff on this game, though. It had, um... Oh, where was... It had a trailer that showed up somewhere. It might have been E3 on one of the indie platforms or something, but... I I think that's actually it, because... uh, I might have seen it there before. Yeah. This, This game looks slightly familiar. I didn't have it show up in my queue. If it would have, I might have not... I may or may not have talked about it. Now I probably would have mentioned it because it's it's different and neat looking. Was Dread Templar the last one on your list? Yes. A different one to end your list on? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, even though you kind of zoned out there for a while. <laughs> or, or your internet did. One of the two. Yeah. Hey, Rage, now that that's done and my cue's done, why don't you uh, hit him with the socials? Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter... Gamer CR, or you could be my friend on Steam, Caffeine Rage. And you've been? Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on the YouTubes by searching for Gaming Psychologist on Twitter at JMA4707 or lurking in our Discord. Um, you can also find me popping up over on uh, the Runic Arts Twitch channel doing my and uh, participating in the weekly um, Vampire the Masquerade streams where I play just a horrible horrible character that eats organs and forcibly turns children into ghouls against their will. Yeah, we so need to get you into room world. <laughs> one day, my friend. One day I'll get there, I'm sure. Or or, or have you tried Dwarf Fortress when it goes to Steam? Uh, I mean, I tried Dwarf Fortress, remember? We did that a couple, I, I, couple I know, years but, ago. I know, but they're reworking a lot of the menus and stuff. Oh, okay. So, so it'll be more accessible. Right. I, I wasn't just saying because I wasn't saying just because it would be prettier. It's because they're making it more accessible. Yeah, there was a big article today about them reworking the noble system. Yeah, I mean, I would check it out again. Don't know if I'd get sucked into it again or not, but I would. I would try it. But I, I gave I gave my socials. You gave your socials. So once again, if you was to send us stuff, podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game related topics. Tweet them to us, BGL Podcast, drop them by the Discord. 
which you can find a link to that over at vtlpodcast.podbean.com. And that also has the show notes, the RSS feed, links to all our other stuff online. Oh, as I stretch and pop something. Uh, not not the way uh, Shrink did, because, you know, I can still feel my feet. <laughs> All this foot. Yeah, you know, the other feeling is it's there, but yeah, it's diminished. Because, yeah, uh, all the damage to that leg, but eh. Um, yeah, all the problems with your leg. Yeah. If you wish to help support the podcast, you could do so. VGL Pod- or sorry, uh, patreon.com slash podcast. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness possible. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod, and our Discovery Cube music is doobly-doo, uh, also by Kevin McLeod. Both of which can be found at Incomputech.com, along with all his other lovely music. And as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See you next time. Bye-bye.